Hey, it's C.S. Joseph of csjoseph.life doing another episode on personal sovereignty and the sacred genders. It's been a very interesting uh, season, uh, season 13, and I believe this is episode 8. If it's not, then it's 7, but I really think it's episode 8. And uh, yeah, so um, we're talking about the mature feminine again today. We talked about uh, Queen as the last archetype of the mature feminine. And uh, that was probably the uh, least liked lecture I've done on this channel uh, because it got a lot of uh, downvotes on that because for some reason uh, people are not willing to hear uh, the message that I have to give uh, in that uh, particular lecture. But it is what it is. I can't make everyone happy. And, uh, well, sometimes the truth hurts and that's just how we have to get over ourselves and deal with it, right? So... Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the mature feminine and uh, the next archetype of the mature feminine, according to Jungian analytical psychology, also known as depth psychology. And this is derived from the theory of uh, Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette. They wrote the book King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, which I recommend uh, anyone watching this uh, lecture series to uh, get uh, involved or get a hold of that particular uh, uh, book uh, as soon as possible. I, I everyone and their mother needs to read it, you know what I mean? Speaking of which, uh, speaking of books that everyone and their mother needs to read, and, and it kind of coincides with what we're going to be talking about in today's lecture, uh, the book uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy by uh, Dr. Robert Glover. Uh, that's a giveaway right now, and I believe this is the last lecture that you can attempt to enter for the giveaway. We're giving away a free copy of No More Mr. Nice Guy in this particular round of giveaways. And uh, to, to just enter for that, all you have to do is be a subscriber, uh, like this lecture, and leave a comment. And you're automatically entered uh, to win uh, a free copy of No More Mr. Nice Guy. And then uh, that will be announced in my next lecture, which should be done over a whiteboard. I'll write the name of the winner on my whiteboard, and uh, I will also announce it at the end of the lecture just in case uh, anyone who is listening on the podcast could also potentially realize, oh, hey, I'm a winner. I should probably, you know, claim that, right? So anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, it is a, uh, a giveaway that we're doing, and like I said, for this channel, uh, since we uh, broke uh, 5,000 uh, subscribers, we're going to be doing giveaways on a regular basis uh, from now on, so just wait till the next round of the giveaway uh, begins. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, what is the mature feminine? Um, so why is it important to talk about the mature feminine? It's important to talk about the mature feminine because we live in a feminist society. The first world culture is now dominated by feminism. And a lot of people say that's a good thing. A lot of people say it's a bad thing. Quite frankly, I'm somewhat neutral on the subject. Other than that, I maintain that feminism is probably one of the number one reasons uh, why we have fatherlessness right now. Uh, especially in first world culture, and that fatherlessness is destroying uh, maturity in all genders, essentially. So as a result of my mission to put a stop to fatherlessness uh, so that children actually know their fathers uh, for once, uh, that'd be nice, um, especially uh, children of minorities, uh, although it's getting worse and worse regardless of race, uh, it is important that we make sure that we are, you know, standing up against fatherlessness as much as possible. And that's why I'm talking in depth about uh, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, as well as the Mature Feminine archetypes as well. Although there's not very much published material on the feminine archetypes of the Mature Feminine, but uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to it in the near future anyway. There are a few resources online, but they're not often talked about. So, uh, we're just kind of going to go with it with what little information we do have and uh, try to, uh, m you know, correlate or match as much as we can to the Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette model for the, from a depth psychology standpoint. So anyway, with that being said, what is the next archetype of the mature feminine? So we talked about king and warrior so far. We also talked about queen uh, for the feminine, uh, uh, king and warrior for the masculine. But for uh, the mature uh, feminine, uh, the next archetype, uh, similar to warrior, believe it or not, uh, is known as mother. And you're like, wait a minute, how does mother have anything to do with like warrior? Well, think about it this way. Warrior exists to protect the kingdom, right? And ensure that it 
that it's longevity. And usually it does so by drawing boundaries and enforcing boundaries, borders, right? You know, oh wait, people enforcing borders? What? That's a bad thing? What? Why can't we have open borders? Oh, that's because we have the mature masculine archetype known as the warrior. Oh, and the warrior's responsible for enforcing borders? Oh no, that's like a really bad thing. Oh, but Mr. Joseph, you're a horrible conservative. If you think it's a good idea for us not to have open borders. And I'm like, I don't care about conservatism. I care about my personal sovereignty and the sovereignty of my nation and the sovereignty of every nation. And I think it's perfectly damn fine for any nation on this planet to enforce their borders because otherwise that would be known as like an invasion so how about we take responsibility for our own actions and also uh take responsibility for meeting our own needs as a nation and enforcing borders everywhere instead of being some crazy uh you know like oh we're just gonna you know open borders all the way across the world and it's like yeah that's really going to help culture that's really going to help who you are that's really going to help your identity that's really going to promote maturity no it's not actually there's a lot of studies that says the opposite anyway so the mother archetype why why is the mother archetype so important well okay if if the um if the warrior exists to protect the the moment, the, to protect the present of the um, of the uh, uh, of the kingdom, as well as you know, ensure that it has a legacy, that it that it go that it continues on, the mother exists to protect the future uh, of the of the kingdom, and that that's through obviously you know through child rearing and, and raising children. And because the children are the legacy, they are the future subjects of the kingdom, and they will inherit the kingdom, right? So it is important that the mother archetype is strong so that the children can keep the kingdom, maintain the culture of the kingdom, and maintain uh, the substance of the kingdom as subjects and continue to be generative, uh, continue to be beautiful, uh, continue uh, to uh, make sure that the kingdom is a long-lasting structure of many, many, many generations and, and is, and is uh, providing for the future needs of um, and goals of uh, future generations. That is the point of the mother archetype. So, but why is that important? Well, again, it's it's not saying that, that one person is more important or one gender is more important than the other, right? Obviously, you know, the king exists. It, it respect, it's there to be respected. It is generative. It is producing more than it consumes. And it basically is providing the foundation by which the kingdom can be built because of how generative uh, the king is right because they're producing more than they consume uh, and uh, they're like the provider the generative force basically which is what the the, the masculine uh, the mature masculine is all about the, the generative force symbols of the general genitive uh, the um, the generative force is also like uh, male genitalia you know the phallus for example uh, and we get that symbolism everywhere, like obelisk. I mean, just talk to like a mason. They could tell you all about the obelisk and how like it's the symbol of the phallus. Or you could talk to, um, uh, you know, ancient Egypt, right? Obelisks are everywhere. And those are basically giant phalluses. That's for, you know, demonstrating the generative force, right? But mother goes a little bit further than that. It goes further than the king. And Obviously, there's warrior. We talked about warrior already, and then obviously there's the the queen archetype, which is chosen by the king to be uh, to be his queen essentially, and that's done by you know creating you know as much beauty as possible by being responsible uh, and all of the aspects of the queen that we know um, and love uh, essentially, and that goes that goes that goes without saying um, for a lot of uh, for a lot of people because. You don't want a queen who's going to be a weakling. You don't want a queen that's going to be a tyrant, right? You know, and and queens that emphasize health and beauty that that really is longevity. And, and it's important to have health and beauty as their foundation as queens, uh, while making sure that their health and the health of their king and the health of the kingdom and then then the resources of the kingdom are being executed properly, distributed properly. So that all the bases are covered, so that she wins the heart of the people, and uh, the, and care is being done for uh, for the subjects, and making sure that their safety and well-being is being there, and she is not idle in doing so, which is 
great aspects of the queen. It is said that a queen is literally the crown that sits upon the king's head, that she is literally the jewels. Like, like you, that the crown jewels itself really is the queen. Like, you can't get better than the queen in the kingdom because there's nothing more important to the king than the queen. Because even the queen still, yes, he has higher priorities of the kingdom and being generative and whatnot, and she should not interfere with that. But deep down in his heart of hearts, she's really his priority. She really is his greatest treasure, essentially. And that's how the queen works. But beyond that, there's the mother archetype. So what is the mother archetype? What does it do? What does it mean? What does it need? Uh, and we're going to be discussing that. So I, I read an article recently on the queen archetype about like how best to describe it. And there is one gentleman, uh, and I forgot their name, uh, forgive me. Um, I'll probably remember it later in the lecture, but um, they, they made a really, really good point about uh, the queen archetype. And it goes like this. Um, the queen is known as the life giver, okay? So think about that. Got a woodpecker up there, awesome. Uh, the life giver, so the, the, the mother, excuse me, not the queen. The mother archetype is the life giver. I'm sorry, there's so many different like labels and archetypes to keep track of sometimes. It's kind of like, Ugh! you know, you can only do so much, right? On top of the fact that talk about 16 personality archetypes on, you know, <laughs> doing these archetypes, it's crazy. So the queen archetype is literally just the life giver, right? That their job is to make sure that life is being created, that uh, life is continuing to grow, for example, and that it's continuing to manifest, and that life is protected and maintaining it and ensuring it, watering it, for example, growing it, uh, having that green thumb, right? That's literally what the mother's job is for, but it goes beyond that. It goes way beyond that. Um, now remember, the life giver, there's something very, very important to remember about the life giver when it comes to the mother archetype, and that is this. Um, it has been said that the only proof of life that exists, the only proof of life that exists is growth. If there is no growth, then there is no life. There's only death, so you have to have growth in order to have life. So that means if the mother archetype is is the life giver, then that means they have to be responsible for growth. That includes personal growth on for themselves, making sure that their king does not get stagnant, making sure that the kingdom itself is not becoming stagnant, making sure that the subjects of the kingdom are also not being stagnant, that everybody is in a constant state of growth indefinitely. Growth is absolutely imperative to the role of the mother archetype because if there is no growth, there is no life, and the mother is no longer the life giver. The life giver is absolutely central to everything that is the that is the mother archetype. So just remember, the number one um, component or the number one way of understanding the mother archetype is life giver. It's all about giving life. And that could be from birthing children. That could be helping raise other children. This is going to sound interesting, but wet nursing even. Wet nursing is also an example of uh, the life giver uh, in terms of the uh, motherly archetype, which we're actually going to talk about wet nursing here in a second. I know that's not like normal for first world culture, but it is for plenty of other cultures around the world and has been since the beginning of like our race. So we'll talk about that in a second. But... Uh, and this is also typically like the mother archetype is typically, you know, it's just another example of how when we talk about the sacred feminine, how it's focused, its priorities are the little things of life, while the sacred masculine's focus is on the big things of life. That's literally how they coincide. Uh, because when you are maintaining and ensuring life, when you are growing life, when you are creating life, and you are responsible for that growth and ensuring that growth, right? It may seem like a little thing, but it's not. Because without maintaining this little thing, then there's death. And then the kingdom will die. Okay? And, and in one generation, a, king, a kingdom can be completely wiped from the face of the earth because there's a lack of growth. And guess what? It is the responsibility of the mature feminine or the woman in the relationship or the woman of the house to make sure that there is constant growth 
uh, among the subjects and even the king. Although the king needs to stay focused on being generative, he also needs to grow. And let's be honest, sometimes we have these things called like workaholism, where men just get so focused on, uh, you know, working and producing and being a provider that they even forget that they should also be growing themselves. A great example of this is when like a man goes to uh, like college or university and gets his bachelor's degree, and then all of a sudden he stops growing, right? He doesn't read any books. I mean, oh, I got my degree, I'm good to go, and I'm just gonna get my career and then I'm not gonna care anymore, right? That's consistently a problem. You know, thank God women exist because women, the feminine exists to put the masculine into check. Like, like you know, like check, checkmate, you know, check, uh, like in a chessboard, it, to, to provide challenge to the masculine because that challenge actually is what promotes growth in the masculine in as much as praise from the masculine promotes growth within the feminine right but and this is you know david data he wrote the way of the superior man if you're not reading the way of the superior man especially if you are a woman i recommend you do it um david data he's an infj he wrote the book it really resonates with injs and inps the most in my opinion but it still has huge applications um for all types attached to those so that could be um INJs, INPs, uh, STJs, and STPs as well. Um, super mega benefits for those eight types, but everyone and their mother should still read that book too, The Way of the Superior Man. So in The Way of the Superior Man, it's talked about how you need to be in this dance, right, between the, the masculine and the feminine. And in this dance, the, the feminine is providing challenge and putting the masculine in check, and the masculine is providing praise uh, for uh, the feminine. It creates a synergistic cycle that produces generativity, it produces life, it produces positive and negative polarity, and then they're able to come together and join together as one, and that is literally the whole point behind sacred, the sacred feminine and the sacred masculinity coming together. And by the way, it's best that we do this while like, you know, being mature, because maturity is a big deal, right? I mean, the fact that we don't have maturity is why our society is basically on the verge of collapse as we know it anyway. Oh, you're such a fatalist, Mr. Joseph. And I was like, no, actually, I'm sorry. I, if you compare us to like the end of the Romans and, uh, and various other civilizations that have collapsed in the past, you'd basically start noticing some interesting correlations as a result. This is one of the reasons why I'm even doing this YouTube channel because I don't want society to collapse. I don't want, uh, I don't want our culture to be gone with the wind. It is important to me to put a stop to fatherlessness because I maintain that fatherlessness is the number one cause of this potential calamity. If we stop the fatherlessness, you know, we might actually find ourselves in a better position to be able to, you know, have a better society where people are like actually happy instead of just caught in this endless rat race that we're a part of, you know what I mean? Anyway, so the little things, we, we talk about how the mother, you know, and the, the sacred feminine is focused on the little things. And some of the little things is, is it just, it's just simple. Home economics, right? The mother archetype, because you're maintaining and ensuring that growth takes place home economics is a big deal and this is why women typically through traditional gender roles they'd cook they'd clean uh, they'd handle all those things now obviously in today's society that's not necessary and seriously am i going to tell an entj woman that she always has to cook and clean when i'm in a relationship with her no quite frankly i'm probably going to end up cooking and i'm probably going to end up cleaning anyway because I have an ISFJ subconscious and it would make sense there. But again, I'm an intuitive because I'm, but an intuitive, uh, an ENTP, ENTJ relationship is super mega rare anyway, less than 3% of the population. When you can look at traditional generals being more of an SJ plus SP type of pairing as a result, right? Fair enough, that's 70% of the world's population. So, okay, that makes sense. But outside of that population aspect, you know, that's just in general where traditional gender roles come from. But again, it's up to you to make, you know, to, to draw the lines as to who does what within your relationship. I'm not here to tell you what the right way is. And I don't, honestly, I don't care. You just figure it out, right? But again, the little things end up becoming the priority. And you have to be managing your home as a mother in such a way where life can actually basically take place and growth is happening, personal growth. Uh, and that's why I'd recommend women, you know, especially women, read, read. It's, it's, it's just as important for both genders to do it, but, but really women have this ability 
why is it more important for women to read? It's not that I'm telling them that they, that that women are are lacking in wisdom or that they're dumb and that's why they need to read more than men. No, 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 no. It is important that women read specifically so that they can challenge their men in life, right? So that they can uh, hold them accountable. For example, I'm giving away this book called No More Mr. Nice Guy. It's super important for women to read No More Mr. Nice Guy because then they understand how to tell the men from the boys, for example, and hold their men in their life accountable, right? Because it provides tools and standards and boundaries with which women can enforce towards their men to have better, meaningful, lasting relationships, even more intimate relationships, specifically in that way. And they are given the tools by Dr. Robert Glover in this particular book to hold their men accountable. It is absolutely crucial that all women read this book and as much as all men read this book because, and this is just one example why it's important for women to read and to gain additional knowledge and whatnot so that they can provide challenge to their men. I'm not telling women this is a license for you to go nag your man. You still have to be respectful to your man, but by you becoming more capable, by you um, reading more and gaining more knowledge, more wisdom, you are actually subconsciously already challenging your man because your man is going to see you bettering yourself in this way and he may it may create insecurity in him or whatnot whatnot or he may be jealous of you and then as a result he is encouraged to do it himself as well which makes the kingdom even better remember it is the responsibility of the mature masculine to be noble right and be respectable and they do this by esteeming themselves if men if your men see you esteem yourself they are inspired to continue to esteem themselves more, which gains even more nobility, which makes them even more attractive to you, which makes them into better men, right? Especially like, you know, better fathers. And then as a result of being better fathers, right? You have just made your family, even inadvertently potentially, that much better. Your kingdom is that much stronger than ever before. And even other kingdoms may come to you and ask you for help and ask you for your advice, right? Just because you took the time to read every day. Sounds crazy, but that's the fact. And that's one of the responsibilities of the mother. You have to ensure that life will continue to grow. And personal development is a big deal here. And remember, if you're queen, you're already responsible for health and beauty. So guess what? Make your king healthier, right? And do this by using your mother archetype, not to mother him per se. That's not what I mean, but it, but it kind of is, just just a little bit. I mean, it kind of has similar meaning to it, but that's not that's not what I'm saying. You still have to be respectful to your man of the day, because remember, men don't really care that much about about women saying "I love you." They care more about women saying "I respect you," because respect is everything. Because women have this problem where they can just love about any jackass on the street, and men know that, right? That's why it's important that men feel respected more so than they feel loved. It's primary to them, where it's primary for women to feel loved. It's not good enough. It's not the same to tell the masculine, hey, I love you. No, 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 no. You have to say, I respect you first and foremost, right? As a result of you being coming respectful, he will be willing to listen to you more, and then you are providing that additional personal growth and development for it, for your man, for your kingdom, for your king, for your children. Together, it is awesome. Now, let's go into a more uh, controversial standpoint uh, of the uh, role of the mother. So the role of the mother, guess what? Sexuality, sexual prowess, right? Believe it or not, it's actually more on the responsibility of the, of the mature feminine to have sexual prowess than the mature masculine. Not that I'm giving men a free pass to be completely like worthless in the bedroom, because that's dumb and what self-respecting man would actually do that i'm sure all men out there would really appreciate being absolutely great in the sack and they understand that innately that is their responsibility to do so so they're probably going to do that and if they're not being responsible about it that gives you every right to call them out on it seriously call them out gosh gotta love those turkeys in the background huh anyway Sexuality. Why is that? Well, remember, the mother is the life giver, right? And if you're the life giver, well, guess what? You have to give life to the phallus, if you know what I'm saying. And guess what? It's going to grow. And then, you know, then it's going to get bigger. And then it is ready to be generative, if you know what I mean, right? So as because you're the life giver, it's your responsibility to have really good sexual prowess, especially in the bedroom. And this is whether or not you plan on having children or not. It doesn't matter. So, ladies... If you 
want to find a book that would help you out on sexual prowess, I recommend reading The Art of Seduction by Robert Greene. I highly recommend it. And while you're at it, read The 48 Laws of Power. Do yourself a favor and also read uh, 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 The 50th Law as well. Uh, do yourself a favor. But The Art of Seduction. The Art of Seduction is excellent and it helps you identify which archetype you have for your seduction. So for me, my archetype is the coquette. I am the coquette and I am insanely drawn to the siren. I love the siren. It's my absolute favorite. And I am easily seduced by the siren. And that's been that <laughs> it's been my weakness in my life, and I'll admit it right now that that's just kind of how it's been. The siren has been my favorite, uh, but I am also the coquette, right? So just kind of give you an idea of how it works. You know, coquette, coquetry is kind of, you know, my way of doing things in the seductive model. And, uh, wow, there's a fire going on over there. Uh, big black smoke. Wow. Good thing it's like not where I live. Anyway, so sexuality, you have to increase your sexual prowess. Uh, I don't know, research uh, tantric sex. I, I have no idea, but at least spend time figuring it out, right? Uh, sexual prowess is very important. And just remember, like if you're, if you're in a sexual relationship with somebody, there, if you two are not having mutual simultaneous orgasms in the bedroom, then there could potentially, you know, you got some work you need to work on. So I recommend you work on that. Uh, everyone has that potential to get there. And really it just takes practice and understanding and communication. God forbid we talk about sex in our culture for some reason. Oh yeah, that's the <coughs> Catholic church for, yeah. Did I just say that out loud? Anyway, so sexuality. Sexuality is very important. So make sure that you work on your sexual prowess as much as possible because you are the life giver. You are to give life to the phallus, for example, so that the phallus can be enabled to be generative, right? And as much as it is the man's responsibility to have generativity and be generative and be the generative force, for example, uh, in your relationship, uh, it is also important to realize your role in enabling the masculine, for example, uh, by, by providing challenge, by providing accountability without like sounding like an egg. You have to do this respectively, by the way. And uh, and to do this for your man so that he is able to increase his sexual prowess as a result and become further enabled. And then also bring him through sexual exploration in your relationship. For example, if you're an INTP woman with an INTJ man, INTG, INTJ men have performance anxiety in the bedroom, for example. They just have natural performance anxiety. If you are the one who initiates and introduces new things into the bedroom for your INTJ and you already state to them that they are comfortable with you, right? Uh, all of a sudden they are comfortable because they see that you are comfortable and then all of a sudden your sexual relationship increases, right? There are plenty of examples of all of the types where you can actually min-max your relationship, especially in the bedroom, specifically for knowing their type and knowing how to interface yourself or potentially emulate certain things or take on certain actions that you would normally take, especially in the bedroom, which would make them more comfortable and actually cause their performance to increase in as much as your performance is increasing because you are both increasing increasing performance together and it's just the synergistic upward spiral of awesome. I definitely recommend it. So remember, because the mother archetype is about being the life giver, sexuality and having sexual prowess is absolutely key to the mother archetype because I'm, come on, I mean, to be a mother, you like have to have sex. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Anyway, huh. Another aspect of sexuality, and this is just for, for uh, the women watching, this is something very beneficial for you. And I would like to say that I'm not a doctor and I'm not here to give medical advice, but I was told this by a doctor. So I wanna talk about birth control real quick. Something very important to realize about birth control. Um, Statistically, over over the lifespan of a woman, women nowadays have way more cycles, which you know, way more periods, way more menstruation cycles than they ever have in history. Yes, within the last 100 years, women have had more cycles in their total cycles in their lifespan than they have before. Is that contributing to faster aging in women? Is that causing women's beauty to wane as a result of cycling so many times? I, I don't know. Maybe there's some studies on that. I'll probably have to look that up. But just go go with it with me for, for a second here. Um, so here's the point. We talked about wet nursing earlier. When, you know, when you're... Back then, what, what what was birth control? Birth control was either coitus interruptus, you know, pulling out, or it was uh, 
basically uh, you'd get pregnant, like you'd get married to a guy, you'd get pregnant, and then you'd have your baby, and you're obviously not having any cycles when you're pregnant, and then you're nursing, and then you're not really cycling when you're, you know, nursing. I could be wrong about that, but I, it depends. Like, people are always telling me the jury's still out on that, and I'm like, okay, am I an expert? No. So, mega take this with a grain of salt. Mega take it with a grain of salt, please. Um, so I'm just, this is kind of recent for me. I've been kind of looking into it. So, but here's the bottom line. The bottom line is, is that it may not be so healthy for women to have so many cycles every month, right? So for your birth control, I would potentially look into, it's not saying it's a recommendation, but to look into uh, doing birth control differently. So like something like 200 milligrams of bioidentical progesterone every night, okay, before bed. If you do that, it has to be bioidentical. It can't be some crazy synthetic junk. You know, it has to be bioidentical, so you're not going to like harm yourself. But 200 milligrams as prescribed by a doctor, right? And then as a result of that, over time, it just slowly shuts down your reproductive system so that you healthfully, so that you are not uh, menstruating as often anymore. Oh, and that also like preserves your eggs, I would imagine. That's cool. And uh, as a result of that, you're not gaining, you're not gaining, uh, you know, water weight every month. You're, you're not, you're not, you're not uh, gaining inches on your waist every month. Potentially, it would slow down aging, etc and you just be better. And then when you wanna have a child, you just come off the progesterone, and then you know a few months later, your cycle will start up again, and then you're good to go. You're ready to have children again. Now this is very new, and or maybe it's not new, I don't know, but it's new to me, right? Uh, but this would be a recommendation that I would make uh, to women to at least look into. I'm not recommending that you do it. Just look into it. 200 milligrams of bioidentical progesterone. Uh, a doctor who's really high up in the alternative health sphere uh, has prescribed it to her children and did it herself and has definitely found uh, it to be something to consider. Uh, and she, her primary focus is on uh, reducing aging as much as possible and promoting great health. Uh, and you know potentially even having children later in life right so just 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 an idea because I guarantee you synthetic birth control pills or or other methods are absolutely like destroying your body and your hormones and potentially uh, uh, contributing to the obesity crisis among women especially in the United States of America so but anyway so yeah, just uh, just a recommendation because you know typically in the past, if someone was nursing or wet nursing, they would end up having less cycles over time, and that's kind of how people were you know maintaining their. Um, uh, that was basically birth control back in the day. You just wet nurse, right? You wet nurse your tribe or your community. You wouldn't get pregnant, and then when you stop nursing, uh, then all of a sudden you could get pregnant again and go around again. Okay, sure, fair enough, right? I think like Christopher Ryan uh, wrote that also in his book Sex at Dawn as well. So that would be another source for you to check out. If you haven't read Sex at Dawn yet, I highly recommend it. It is absolutely awesome. Christopher Ryan and I think Cecilda Heathrow, Heathrow, something like that, wrote that book. I recommend that too. So anyway, sexuality, birth control, one aspect of the mother uh, for you guys to be aware, for you gals to be aware of. So um, anyway. Let's do the next role. Um, child rearing, obviously, because it's the mother archetype. Obviously, you know, having children. I'm not saying that women have to have children, okay? If you don't want to have children, don't don't have children. Fine, go on the birth control. Don't hurt your aging and, and whatnot, and uh, be healthy about it, and don't produce kids. That's That's perfectly okay. You don't have to do that if you don't want to. But if you do want to, guess what? You're creating princes and princesses for your kingdom, for your king, basically, as they are subjects in your kingdom, right? So, um, why? So why is this important? What What is the mother to do? Well, you're preparing them for the king. You're preparing these princes and princesses for the king because uh, to receive the king's identity. This is one of the reasons why children take on the name of the uh, of their king or the name of the house. Uh, essentially, and take on their father's name because children receive their identity from their fathers. They do not really receive their uh, identity from their mothers. It's a controversial statement, I know, but that's a fact. I mean, because children, when they don't really know their fathers, even even in young girls, uh, 
they they always report that there's a big hole missing inside because they never knew their father, for example. And it's because there is an identity component to knowing your father, right? So one of the reasons why I go out of my way for my children as much as possible because I know that I am an integral part of their identity and their upbringing as human beings. In order for them to become integrated, mature human beings, I need to be present there helping facilitate that process on a regular basis as their king, essentially. So just be aware of that. Uh, also, it's very important for uh, for mothers uh, to instill manners on, on children. That would be nice because uh, there's a lot of children out there that are very irresponsible and lack manners entirely. Uh, also, uh, responsibilities. Uh, did you know, and this is really embarrassing for me to admit, but did you know that when I uh, graduated or when I graduated high school and I went to college, I did not know how to pay my bills. I did not know how to oper operate a washer and dryer, right? I, uh, I did not know how to do basic life skills, and that is absolutely horrible. Now, my mother, she's really cool, and uh, I'm not necessarily blaming her for that because, I mean, she kind of tried, but then I'd mess it up, and I'd be really bad at it, and then she probably believed it would be better for her to do it instead of have me do it, if you know what I mean. The point is... It's never a good idea. I mean, my father should have probably stepped in at that point, being like, you're gonna learn how to operate a dishwasher and you're gonna learn how to operate a washer and dryer now, and, you know, much less change my oil. I, in fact, there's another story. My uncle told me to my face, and I was uh, 24 years old. Uh, this was, um, wow, um, seven years ago. And he looked at me and he's like, okay, if you have a penis and you're in this family, you better know how to change your oil. So he literally forced me into the shop and he watched me and taught me how to change my own oil and I changed my own oil, you know, as a result, right? It's just examples like that, right? Life skills, it's very important for mothers to, and it is the responsibility of the mother archetype to instill life skills on the children. Well, what about, you know, fathers? They should be doing it too. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure they should, but they should also be focusing on being generative as well, producing more than they consume, right? Remember, it's the big things versus the little things. The big things concern the mature masculine or the sacred masculinity, and the little things, life skills for children, uh, would qualify, fit under the mature feminine for mothers, right? So make sure that your children, your princes and princesses, have those necessary life skills. It is absolutely horrible for, and I have personal experience in it, for a child to go to high, go into college and not have basic life skills or, or leave high school and be on their own and not have these basic life skills. I mean, for example, how many children today when they turn 18 even know how to make their own resume? That's pathetic. Seriously, they, they need to know how to do their resume. Well, that's guy stuff. Not really. Actually, everyone needs to know how to do their, their, uh, their resume. So again, Mature feminine, mothers, step up to the plate. Make sure your children have LinkedIn profiles because I, I'm sorry, if you're gonna be a professional, I don't care if you're working at McDonald's, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, that says something. It's really a big deal, it's a big cultural thing. It, 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 this is gonna sound ridiculous, but having a LinkedIn profile is starting to become a cultural responsibility. You know what I mean? Like, if you're behind the times, you need to wake up. Seriously, your children are at stake here. Do not give them disadvantages because you don't see the importance of LinkedIn. That's just you being ignorant. Don't be that parent. So manners, responsibilities, chores, life skills, these things are very important for children. It is the responsibility of the mother archetype primarily and secondarily for, for you know the mature masculine, but primarily for the mature feminine to instill this upon children. So make sure from a parenting standpoint is important. Also, children should be taught personal sovereignty. That's what this lecture series is about, is personal sovereignty, that they have self-respect, right? That they have the four pillars of self-intimacy, needs, standards, boundaries, and goals. And to meet their needs, they need to understand the fist, which is faith, family, fitness, finance, and friends. And faith does not necessarily mean they have to be part of a religion or a faith, although that could be a component of it, but it's to have faith in themselves, right? It also helps them to know them who they are, so get educated on what your type is and the type of your children so you know how to parent them properly that would be nice right do this for your children it can only benefit them it could only benefit them you know so make sure that you teach them personal sovereignty and responsible selfishness yes I'm literally telling you to teach your children to be selfish but responsibly because 
you have to, you know, uh, the, the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, basically means that if you can't love yourself, you have no business loving other people. And I guarantee you, your children, especially when they're adolescents, they're going to start having romantic, potentially intimate relationships with other adolescents. And well, no, my children would never do that. And I'm like, you'd be really surprised. Like, wake up. Like, seriously. I mean, it's almost unstoppable in a lot of ways. I mean, our culture has changed so much that, you know, unless you do like a, a cultural overhaul, you know, at, at uh, within your culture, or your tribe or your family or your community, I'm sorry, in first world culture, people are going to be intimate super quick. I mean, statistically, it's what, 10, 11 years old now? That's insane. Yes, but it's going to happen. So teach your children to be responsible in that area. Seriously. Teach them personal sovereignty. It might actually help if they're, you know, teach your teach your girls, for example, that uh, if this guy doesn't have king, then you shouldn't be sleeping with him. King being, does he have a job? Does he have his own place? Have he has his own trans transportation? You know, what does he have to offer? Is he someone you respect? Why are you sleeping with somebody that you know you don't respect? Wait, these are things that young girls need to know or young boys. Don't sleep with a woman if she is obese. Do not sleep with a woman if she is unhealthy, for example, because teach him that if a woman is lacking in beauty, that means that she is being irresponsible, right? And she is not a woman fit to be your queen. Don't waste your time. Have self-respect because men who have self-respect don't have random illicit sex, you know what I mean? Because remember, you need to teach your sons that you do not sleep with a woman. You do not unite your body with a woman unless you are willing to take a bullet for her and you make sure that they understand no greater love and no greater love equals. When a man is willing to give up his life for his beloved, if he is willing to take a bullet for her, okay. If he is not willing to do that, then there should absolutely be no intimacy there. Like seriously, move on, people, that's wrong. Teach your children to love their neighbor as themselves, which means they have to love themselves first. They need to have self-intimacy. And that is, one more time, taking responsibility for meeting their own needs, having personal standards, you know, the rules that they have within them themselves to make sure that they are meeting their own needs, and then boundaries to make sure that other human beings are not inhibiting them from meeting their own needs, and having personal goals after those first three pillars are done, which creates a foundation of self-intimacy, which creates a foundation of self-respect. Your children need self-respect, and it is the responsibility of the mother archetype to see this through. If the mother archetype is not parenting in this area, there's a huge issue. Oh, but Mr. Joseph, I can't really do that. I can't really commit to that because I'm working so much. And, you know, my husband, my king, he's also working very much. And we're just not really able to do that for the children. We don't really see the children that much. We both have eight-hour jobs in the day. And they go to school. And then they come home. We, we, we eat dinner. And then we watch television. And then we go to bed and do it the same thing the next day. And it's like... Wow. For one, like, stop the television. Do yourself a favor. Like, the last time I watched television was Obama, when, it was when Obama first became president. I haven't watched television since. You know what I mean? Like, I literally, that was literally like when he did his acceptance speech. I was done. I didn't watch television ever since. You know? Thank God. I started reading. That's been super helpful. Uh, you know, children need to be positive taught personal sovereignty and they do this by getting the four pillars of self-intimacy for self-respect and then they start doing they start building king warrior magician lover etc for boys and then queen mother wise woman lover for the girls and you start building the archetypes within them while making sure they have self-respect and they have the four pillars right you do this that's how you raise a child into maturity and it again is the responsibility of the mother archetype to see that through Here's the problem. As you have already aptly put it, Mr. Tripod looking at me right now. No, just kidding. Uh, as you've aptly put it, um, what happens when you're not at home? Well, let's look at why you're not at home. Why are you working? Is it because you're participating or buying the lie of the feministic society that's telling you that you should be working? No. Feminist society exists to say that you can work. If you want to work, go ahead and work. I don't have a problem with women working. Work! Do it. Run for office. I don't care. Do whatever makes you happy. Just understand the potential positives and negatives for your family, especially your children and their and their upbringing, right? Understand these risks. It is very important that you understand these risks. So 
here's the problem. If you are not raising your children, if you're so focused on work and you're not there for your little ones, for example, if you're not there to help them develop the four pillars, to reach self-respect, to gain king, warrior, magician, lover, for example, the mature uh, the mature masculine, the mature feminine, if you are not there doing that with them on a day-to-day -day basis, guess who is? The state. God forbid the state raise our children. Oh, but we don't have a choice. Uh, first, This is one problem I have with first world society. First world society doesn't really give a damn about the personal sovereignty of people, especially children, because the first world society, I mean, no society, no society wants its citizens to become wise because if they become wise collectively, then they threaten the system of that society, which means that society could change. It's not that they would bring down the society. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about wise people collectively wise citizens they start making changes to the society and that could interrupt the balance of power with those that currently run the society you want to change society start teaching your children build within them masculinity build within them femininity build within them maturity build within them wisdom the mother archetype it is the responsibility of the mother archetype to do so as mothers you need to do this into your children because when they have that, when they have a firm grasp on their personal sovereignty, society will change at the macro level in as much as the micro level. But you have to focus on the micro level. All families need to do this. If you focus on the micro level, eventually those children will be raised up and those children will take over, their generation will take over the nation and then the nation will start to change. And then the potential degeneracy of the past and past generations will all of a sudden start to fade away and they too will be gone with the wind. And then all of a sudden, culture overnight, society overnight has been fundamentally transformed into something better for a better tomorrow so that their children can benefit from those benefits. That'd be nice. That'd be the dopest, right? Come on. Seriously, it is the responsibility of the mother archetype to do this. God forbid that children be taught by the state. But, I mean, sorry, our currency has, like, the greenback, you know, the U.S. dollar has lost, what, 99% of its value, maybe 1,000% of its value? I don't even remember. It's like some crazy, horrible statistic. It's lost so much of its value, its, its buying power since it was ever instated that, like, I'm literally spending 20s like I spent $1 bills, $5 bills when I was a little kid, for example. It's absolutely horrible, right? Uh, you know, and, and I'm spending $100 bills like I would spend $20 bills. It's insane. And I, you know, it's like, oh, I make a bunch of money nowadays. No, I don't. Because when you calculate for inflation, you, you, you really aren't really making that much money. So, but this time, our, our currency is so devalued, right? because people like printing money and they have these qualitative easing thing or whatever, whatever you call it, you know, uh, gotta got love those central banks, right? The point is, because our dollar has lost its buying power, now both adults are actually forced to work. Oh no, that's feminism, you know, no, it, you know, women have the opportunity to choose to work. No, what family raising children exists where both parents are not working. Like statistically, both parents are actually working and they kind of have no choice to work. And it's because of the dollar does not have as much buying power. Has anyone ever even thought about this? The, the fact that our currency, you know, from a home economic standpoint, you know, the responsibility of the mother archetype has such low buying power. This is literally inhibiting the mother archetype for raising children properly and bringing children into maturity, right? And, and having that awesome sexual prowess, right? And bringing them into personal sovereignty, right? You know, I mean, just the lack, think about it. Logically speaking, if the dollar or any currency is lacking in value and its value goes down, what happens, okay? Well, when its value goes down, then now both parents have to work, which increases the stress, which increases, you know, cancer and bad health things, right? You know what I mean? It increases the stress. It makes the children not as mature, which continues the cycle of fatherlessness. And then it leads to divorce ultimately because the sexual prowess goes down in the relationship on both sides. For example, there's a lack of intimacy there. Everyone's health is getting worse. Everyone's getting fat. Everyone's getting unhealthy. Everyone's getting cancer, which is bringing in additional bills. And it's just an absolute endless cycle of total annihilation of the family, annihilation of relationships, fatherlessness everywhere, and oh, by the way, 
no maturity, no mature masculine, no mature feminine on a culturally wide spectrum, right? All because the dollar is losing value. This is why it is the, our responsibility now to make sure we are ensuring the mature masculine and the mature feminine, especially on the duty and responsibility and calling of the mother archetype to our children, right? It is absolutely critical that we get this to our children because our children will grow with this. If it, if it is, happens at a macro level, first world society will literally change in one generation and then our children will prevent the fact that our dollar or whatever currency we have is worthless. And then we'll get more buying power. And then it's, I know it sounds stupid that literally buying power is destroying the family. Yes, it is destroying every aspect of culture specifically. And, and again, you know, it is said that money is the root of all kinds of evil. This is definitely one evil that money is the root of or lack of buying power in our fiat currency. I recommend that you understand that and understand how working and being forced to work because of the lack of buying power. Because it used to be, you know, all that needed to work was just a man. And a man could literally support one woman and some children. That was great, right? It, it could happen. Or even, in, you know, in certain areas. But you know what? Nowadays, good luck. Good luck finding that. That's super rare, right? And it's usually like super mega successful men are that way, but even then, they're not even... Are they Are they home, right? You know what I mean? So it, it just becomes a huge assault on the middle class, even on, even on the po impoverished as well. An absolute huge assault because our currency is so devalued. And you think it's bad in the United States of America? Go to Zimbabwe, right? Go to the Congo. Go to those places. Do they actually have any buying power at all in these uh, developing countries? Good luck. You know what I mean? And on top of the fact that they don't have buying power, they're saddled with debt. Oh, wait a minute. That kind of sounds like, you know, students going to school nowadays. How about instead you take your children, right? And then you get them in running start programs in the United States of America, for example, and they're 16 so that by the time they're 18, they're graduating high school with their high school diploma and their associate's degree already ready to go right and you've already helped them get their own car and they're having a job while they do this so that they can get their own place right and then have their own vehicle and then they already have their associate's degree and they have work history and then they just do like an online training course like western governors university which is very affordable and then eventually they can get their bachelor's degree and move up from there instead of being saddled with debt for once Come on, Mother Archetype, please explain this and do this for your children for their benefit. Because if you do not, they will continue to be impoverished in the way that they are. And that's not just in first world society, that's everywhere. Understand the risks. Teach your children and do not allow the state to raise your child. I get that public school is free. There's a reason it's free. And there's a reason why both parents have to work. There's a reason why there is no buying power with the currency. It's because the state fears the mother archetype. Because the mother archetype would provide maturity and wisdom and humility in their children. And the fact that children have wisdom, humility, maturity threatens the establishment, threatens society and that those in power will be forced to accept change that they don't like because everyone's resistant to change, right? Especially SJs, 40% of the population, huh? Any change to the system is a threat to the system, positive or negative, it doesn't matter. And that's not something anyone appreciates. That's why our children are not raised by parents. That's why the system exists the way it exists. And it is an affront to the mother archetype. You wanna change things, teach your children, raise your children properly. And the next thing that the mother archetype does, help raise other people's children. Be an example, be an example mother to other mothers. Help other mothers become better mothers. Help other mothers raise children. Adopt children while you're at it. Uh, my, my sister, for example, she's, I think, in the process of adopting. Uh, I don't know, but she became a foster parent recently, which is pretty awesome. And uh, she took on this, this one girl, and she's great. We treat her like she's a member of a family. Uh, she's a fantastic individual, you know, and I'm great to be a part of this family and that we're actually giving back to 
families, uh, to, to kids who are impoverished or kids who are unhealthy or kids who just got completely and totally screwed by the society because their family got completely screwed by the society as a result, as a result of the lack of the mother archetype and able, um, being completely disabled from doing what it's supposed to be doing in child rearing, right? Like we need the mother archetype, but it's been squashed. It's been completely squashed. Feminism is one of the reasons, except, you know, feminism is just kind of more of like a cover for the fact that our home economic system with the lack of buying power is just, you know, oh, but we're just going to call it uh, feminism while we over here, you know, watch, you know, don't pay attention to what we're doing behind the curtain. We're going to devalue the currency just to make sure that uh, you can't teach your, you can't raise your children properly and so that they never uh, grow up to threaten the system. And then we're just going to call it feminism, make you feel good while we're doing this over here. You know, that that's a really effective strategy. Of course, it's been working for like the last hundred years. I mean, come on. Read the book, what came, of, what came Out of Jekyll Island. I recommend that. Or read about what happened to Jonathan May. That guy is pretty crazy. You know, that, that's a crazy story. If you can find that story. Anyway, um, just just understand, like, when it comes to the state, and, and this goes out, and I, and I gotta say this to, to any, anyone watching this, this lecture right now. Let me, let me tell you the truth. You are more sovereign than the British crown. You are more sovereign than anything because you have to prioritize your personal sovereignty over everything else. And that's one of the points or reasons why the life giver of the mother archetype exists because it is there to create a bastion of sovereignty within themselves and their children for the sake of their kingdom and realize that their kingdom and their family is sovereign as well, right? We spend so much time focusing on celebrities, uh, like Meghan Markle, for example, getting married to like a certain prince, etc. And and then are we are we misled to believe that they're more sovereign than we are? No, no, we are sovereign. Everyone is sovereign, and everyone has to accept their personal sovereignty is sovereign. It is to be respected, and each other's sovereignty is to be mutually respected. And this is how the mother archetype does this by creating a bastion by teaching children. So that society, as a result of having children who are wise, humble, mature, will change overnight. It is super critical. So be, remember, be, be an example to other, other mothers and uh, be an example uh, to other children and help them raise them, adopt children. Be really, it's really important that the mother archetype does this because there's so many disaffected children out there that literally have nothing, right? And uh, there's been a lot of scary stories in the news about th bad things that have been happening to children recently and it's just absolutely ridiculous to me. And it just like makes me long for the mother archetype to finally come back and have absolute full mastery like it used to have. Um, you know, 100, 150 years ago, uh, so that it would be respected, that the mother archetype would be absolutely respected. And as much as the king archetype or the warrior archetype or any of the other archetypes, even the queen archetype, but the mother archetype is absolutely essential to the future. It's the future of your kingdom. It's the future of society as we know it. The mother archetype is absolutely essential. In as much as men need to be fathers, right? Because fathers and fatherlessness is the problem. We got to solve fatherlessness because where men lead, women follow. That's just how it works, right? And in order to get men leading, they need to be around their fathers because they have their identity, right? But to do that, they need to be prepared for their fathers. They need to be prepared to be king. They need to be prepared for their kings to receive their identity from their kings, their fathers. And that preparation comes through the mother archetype. So what are some examples of like the ideal mother archetype? I think a good example, we talked about this in the Queen lecture, it's uh, Proverbs chapter 31 in the Bible. Uh, I think it's sayings of King Lemuel or something like that. Uh, but uh, whatever, that King wrote about uh, the, uh, the wife of noble character, right? The wife of noble character and she makes sure that her children are clothed in scarlet when it's, when it's got a winter area. Why is that important? Well, they're dressed in red and if you know that your children are dressed in red, you're gonna be able to spot them out in like, you know, the snow so they don't like die of hypothermia out there, for example. That's just one example, but it outlines clearly, um, you know, the, the, the wife of noble character's duty to her children, the subjects of her kingdom, and, and being that mother, uh, mother archetype and how important it is. Um, so let's talk about some of the negative aspects of the mother archetype. When the mother archetype is plagued by immaturity, there's the uh, possessive mother. Um, that's also known as like helicopter mom. We all know what helicopter mom means, right? 
Uh, it's when this uh, mother just becomes absolutely crushing, uh, possessive. Um, I would say that uh, my mother for a while was definitely possessive, which leaded, led to me being uh, sheltered and having to deal with a lot of church drama, etc. Um, uh, the woman that now shares my bed, uh, it's the same for her actually. She had the same experience. She definitely has a hugely possessive mother, so possessive that she wasn't even able to get out of the house until uh, her late 20s, for example, and that was a horrible situation as well. But uh, possessive mother uh, is definitely one of the worst components of the mother archetype. There's also the distant mother, and the distant mother was the mother of um, of this uh, one child that uh, my sister brought into her home as a result of being a foster parent. And the distant mother is someone who just got you know potentially I don't I don't know uh, potentially addicted to drugs or potentially commit some crimes. But regardless, you know she's incarcerated at this point who knows what she did but that's an example of someone who's distant as a result of being irresponsible or being overly selfish or irresponsibly selfish as i would say that's just an example of how a distant mother could be a problem uh, in game of thrones uh, cersei lannister is absolutely a possessive mother because she's super mega possessive over her children to the point where it spoiled her children so bad just look at king joffrey and how much of a weirdo he was absolutely this chaotic evil freak for example super mega selfish and then you also have the uh, uh um let's see was there a distant mother uh shown in that i think there was i just forgot her name the distant mother I mean there's also you could also kind of technically talk about mothers who you know died way too young that could kind of count as a distant mother because they were irresponsible and put themselves in a situation where they could be killed or there's also situations where it wasn't their fault but then that wouldn't count as a distant mother I mean, it just wasn't their fault. Maybe they just had a bad lot in life, or maybe they, like, died of a parasite because they were drinking water out of an infested river because their country couldn't support them for some reason or couldn't even get that uh, clean water figured out. You know, a lot of people don't know how good they have it with clean water, if you know what I mean. So, anyway, yeah, the possessive mother and then the distant mother archetype, be wary of those. Do not crush your children. Do not be the helicopter mom. It is absolutely important that you do not do this. And do not be so distant. If you are distant and really, really, really hands-offish, you have a recipe for chaos. And that's not something that's going to help you or the future of your kingdom or your family whatsoever. It is the responsibility of the mother to be the life giver. You have to ensure the growth of your children and the growth of your king and the growth of all the subjects in your kingdom. You have to ensure their growth. You are responsible for their growth, right? And you have to continue to put your king in check and to challenge your king so that growth continues, so be it. Just do it respectfully. And make sure you're providing challenge to your sons. They need the challenge, right? Provide praise for your daughters. They need the praise. Give them what they need. Grow them into mature human beings, into humble human beings, into respectful human beings, having self-respect, right? Grow them into sovereign human beings. Self-respect is everything to sovereignty. And the mother archetype, sovereignty, the whole concept of sovereignty couldn't even exist without the mother archetype. That is how critical the mother archetype is to any society, to any family, to any community, to any county, to any state, to any nation on this earth. It is absolutely critical. Understand your role as the mother. Understand all of its components for children, for your relationship with your king, uh, and that and that could be from an economic standpoint, from a personal growth, personal de development standpoint, a sexual standpoint as well and also your children. Understand is your responsibility, not just to your kingdom, but to society as a whole. Because if you don't do this, the fatherlessness will continue and then society will inevitably collapse. And that will be your future. That will be your legacy. That will be the legacy and future of your children and their grandchildren and their children's children, specifically because you did not take a stand today and make these changes and realize your responsibility as the mother archetype. Please, I implore you, don't be that person. If you are that person, make a change now and commit yourself to, you know, and devote yourself, uh, you know, for the, for, at a minimum for the sake of your children and for the sake of the future of society as we know it and everything that we have here on this earth. So, 
Anyway, uh, if you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, uh, please uh, subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and also on the podcast. Leave a like while you're at it and, uh, and a comment if you want to get that uh, book giveaway uh, while we're doing that. And uh, if you have any questions about the mother archetype or anything that we've discussed in the subject matter of this lecture, please leave it in the comment section below and I'll do my best to answer your questions. Um, I expect this one to be as controversial as Queen, but who knows? I mean, not very many people can handle this type of stuff, but I, I speak the truth as I see it and it's important that I continue to speak truth so that people grow, right? Because while I speak truth and it's like, I'm breathing fire, breathing dragon fire. Sometimes the whole forest does need to get burned down so new life can grow, if you know what I mean. I mean, that is the purpose of the superego after all. Anyhow, awesome. So um, the next lecture I'll be doing, I believe will be the whiteboard lecture and I will be announcing the winner. And uh, if you haven't joined the Discord server yet, please join the Discord server. The link is in the description of this lecture. And uh, if you're in the Bay Area and you have not joined our meetup group, please join the meetup group in the Bay Area. We'll be doing it as well. Uh, if you want to potentially start uh, a chapter of the meetup group, uh, we can definitely uh, get into contact. Uh, to do that, all you have to do is just join the group on the meetup and then send me a message and uh, we can definitely get something going uh, for that as well. So awesome. I think uh, that's it for me tonight. So I'll see y'all tomorrow night.